Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Mark Hamilton, your host. We'll continue with our final segment on the cold case of 1911 as we talk to a local historian. Also, just a reminder, we'll be back to our normal format next week. For all of our energy people out there, I invite you to tune over to Behind Wyoming Energy for your energy news. Let's go off to that interview. We'd like to welcome Terrell Mills to the podcast tonight. Terrell is a Tensleep Wyoming rancher and a historian with a vast amount of knowledge from the area. Most recently, I got to take in his presentation he did for the Washakie Museum in Worland, Wyoming on the mystery of the eloping pair. Terrell has spent time looking at the 1911 deaths of Edna Richard Jenkins and Thomas Jenkins. Terrell, you had mentioned in our earlier discussions that you had some ideas on what might have happened with this big trail mystery. Yes. Hello, Mark. Uh, I have done quite a bit of research. Most of that comes out of newspapers and then talking to local people about what went on. But let me start by saying this. The cabin where the murder occurred was to be a retirement cabin by Governor William A. Richards, which he built in the summer of 1908. And they were going to dedicate that cabin, so to speak, in July 4th, 1902. And somewhat, let me read part of that. This will include the hoisting of the national colors at sunrise with a grand salute. Everything noisy, pure curable. During the day, his guests will be regaled with many different kinds of amusements, horse racing, climbing, grease poles, foot races, etc. The celebration culminating in the evening with fireworks and a big dance. And this article comes from the Worland Grit, July 2nd, 1908, page one. So this area was to be a, Governor Richards wanted it to be a retirement cabin, a place where he even invited other partners to come and participate and build their own cabins there, mainly a doctor from Colorado that was a partner, but that never happened. So then we jump into the wedding of Edna Richards and Thomas Jenkins. That occurred in Pueblo, Colorado, and at the house of Edna's sister, Alice who was married to Guy McCreary in May of 1911. Well, they ended up taking the cabin and moving into it. And there he was to become kind of the one that was going to oversee the cab, the business for Governor Richards. Governor Richards, George B. McClellan, his partner that was running the ranch there locally, and Dr. Harris from Chicago, uh, the three partners in the ranch, also Dr. Ryerson of Chicago and Judge Herbert V. Lacey of Cheyenne met September 10th, 1911, in Cheyenne, and they all took off to on the railroad from there towards Lander. Then from Lander, they took off towards Dubois for a two-week hunting trip. So all those parties are not there. Rhoda Spees, who was at that time living in Thermopolis, is visiting her sister, Mrs. Harry C. Mills. Mary Rebidoux, who was one of the girls staying at the McClellan Ranch, on Red Bank is helping Mrs. McClellan, and as Rhoda has also come and is staying there with them. On Friday, they're unable to get a hold of Tom and Edna by phone, which they had at that time, and uh, Mrs. McClellan starts to wonder what's going on, what's happening. Finally, they are sent down to check to see why they can't contact them and what's happening. And they are accompanied, and this occurs on the 24th of Sunday in the afternoon. 
so those two girls, ranch hands, are leaving the main house. They split up and the ranch hands head towards the Knowwood. Incidentally, where the cabin now stands, which was the Lundgren place till recently. And their plan is to begin a roundup on Monday. The girls head down to the cabin to get a cookbook that they've been sent to retrieve. They go there, they find the bodies. This panics the girls quite significantly, as you can imagine. A description which we don't have time enough to find, but Edna's body is laying 30 feet outside of the cabin next to a rock behind where they approach so they don't see her at first. They approach the cabin. One of them gets off the horse and goes in. The other horse is very skittish, smells the smell of death. One girl goes in, doesn't find anybody there, comes out. They look. Now they're facing where Edna's body laid and they're able to, unable to get the horses, but they look, they become very frightened. They, they're not sure what they see. They get on their horses and run home a very fast lightning speed. Not even sure how they got through the three fences they had to get through. Not even remembering that they, if they had opened the gates or not. Word is sent back out to the ranch hands who then returned from the Knowwood and also a few of the ranch hands that were still there at the main place. They go back down and they meet and the girls are not sure they want to go, but they go, they do go anyway or nearby and the ranch hands go and investigate and find the two bodies with Edna leaning up against this rock outside. I've stood at that rock, been there, looked at the tree that is there still. It's a juniper and they find her body there. Two holes through her lungs and then one hole in her left temple with her left hand gripping the pistol with her thumb through the trigger, which is a curious thing to start off with because Edna is very much known to be very, very right-handed. Thomas Jenkins is inside the cabin, back in the bedroom. There's two rooms in the cabin, as near as I've been able to find, in the bedroom, laying on the floor, has died and bled, bled there and died. The blanket over him has burned slightly but it has been put out with a bucket of water. These things are reported immediately from Basin. They are called Corner Carter, Sheriff Wickwire, and the car driver leave Basin Sunday night, the 24th, and arrive on the scene Monday morning at 5 a.m. Undertaker is also notified of the two bodies, and he and a wagon driver also depart Basin Sunday night with two, as they call them, hermetically sealed caskets. They arrive Monday the 25th at about 1 p.m. Now that time is significant because Sheriff Wickwire and Dr. Carter have concluded their business and are departing just as the caskets arrive. Other people arriving are E.T. Payton. He arrives on the scene Monday morning, shortly after the coroner Carter observes the body. He writes the very first article that hits the newspapers. But it's significant. E.T. about it managed to be in the right place, if you want to call it at the right time. I say that E.T. probably had met and shook hands with more people in the state, probably than any other person, as he sold newspaper prescription subscriptions for several newspapers throughout the years. Uh, Terrell, wasn't um, you were talking about uh, Peyton? Wasn't he one of the uh, suspects in the ultimate uh, murder? The murder suspect? Yes, he was named by someone as having been involved. When you investigate and search the material, 
I believe that whoever was saying that was simply using him to cover up what actually happened. When you study E.T. and learn about him, several things. One, Oscar Oscar McClellan, brother of George McClellan, knew exactly where E.T. was at the time the murder would have happened, which was thought to be Saturday night. And he happened to be selling newspapers at that time and was working his way through the valley from the south and was over at either Nowood or had been there to Oscar McClellan's place and gone back to Nowood. So his time frame was very well known. But it is very interesting. You make a very good point, Mark, that his name comes up. After search, it's quite laughable that he could have done such a thing. He was not capable of doing it. Yes, he's one of the suspects that were named, but he didn't do it. I will say that to start with. So Monday, the undertaker takes off for Basin and arrives back in Basin Wednesday night. The funeral party heads for uh, Manita. And I know I'm covering a lot more maybe you want than you want to hear, but I think this helps to understand the whole story. Governor Richards hasn't been notified yet. He's on this hunting party. Word has sent to Lander to, to go find him. And a person in Lander with a car who knows of his whereabouts takes off and heads to find him. He is found, I believe it's Tuesday morning, the other side of Dubois. And him and George B. McClellan immediately return and come back to Lander, arriving to get on the train Wednesday morning. And they arrive with everybody else coming in to Manita Wednesday. And it's very curious, some of the things that E.T. Payton is there. The three people who are on the jury are there. Those on the jury are Oscar McClellan, James Tolley, and Charlie Wells. Oscar being George's brother, which is kind of a curious thing. Meanwhile, E.T. is there at Manita. At some point, he has mental troubles. And J.B. Oakey, who we'll all know from history and in Lost Cabin area, calls Mrs. Payton in Thermopolis and says, you need to come and get E.T. He's gone off his rocker again, and he's gone crazy, and this whole event has thrown him into another one of his fits. He ends up going to uh, Evanston until he's able to regain his mental facilities. This has happened many times. But the story, as I say, is not about E.T., but he has certainly been brought into it by those on the ranch as being involved. From the story, they ruled it a, a uh, suicide, murder-suicide, and then Governor Richards got involved, and they determined that it was an actual murder, but they never really, never had a real solid suspect. Do you have any information on of a suspect or any ideas? I have, I have a list. Theory one is that he shoots her, and there's a whole lot of how that could happen. Theory two that comes out later in the paper by somebody on the ranch, all of a sudden, oh, well, this is how it happened, is that she shoots him, meaning suicides. And there's a lot more to it. Theory three, this has new, no newspaper article support. Theory three comes from interview to people who lived in the area. There are those that say, which supports the other two theories, one and two, there are those who say that he had syphilis that he had acquired and that he had infected her and they had an argument and ended up deciding to commit suicide. Theory four, Tom goes insane. And these are articles that were in the paper at various times. The public doesn't like all theories one, two, and three. They say, these, th- this isn't right. It does not fit. Well, theory four that then came out was, oh, well, Tom's gone insane for some reason, and he tries to, and he shoots himself. So Edna then shoots herself. 
which supports the syphilis idea. Theory five, someone unknown did the shooting. And this is what becomes much more popular and the theory of who these people are. There are several people who were suspected and each one over time was brought out. I'll cover them in a minute. Theory six, in Cheyenne, there was a man named Warren Jenkins who was married to Jesse Root, who was a childhood friend of Edna. Warren Jenkins and Tom Jenkins were no relation, but Jesse was found to be shot in Cheyenne in 1912. A newspaper article says, oh, has Warren become the jealous husband? Did Warren do the shooting? And this is new information that's never been published before. I have the articles to support that event. Okay, Edward Tillman, we already mentioned him. The next one is Orman Kennedy Fullerton, also known as Packrat Murphy. For some reason, jealousy or whatever shoots. Otto Frederick, Audro, Otto Frederick Gleesman is also one who is listed as shooting. He was kind of one that just hung around the area and was there for some time. Another one that comes out throughout a long time is Tom O'Day. Tom O'Day happened to be there building the cabin, knew the cabin very well. There are pictures of Tom there building the cabin with Oscar McClellan and another man. Tom had just gotten out of jail some time ago for a horse thief, and he was out just in time to get there to help build the cabin in 1908. After that, he goes back to Shoshone. He gets married. That doesn't last very long. I don't even know where his wife ended up at. He's back at the McClellan place or Governor Richard's place and is known to be there in the area. George McClellan and Tom O'Day have a long history together. They've known each other very well. A April 1892. Is that a familiar date? That is the Johnson County War. In April 1892, it was well known for many people that that was going to happen. Mayor George McClellan says, let's go see what happen is happening over there. We want to know. So Tom and George travel the mountains together through snowstorms to get there to see what's happening. There's a picture of them taken, and that picture hangs in the Buffalo Museum of the two of them together. They are standing there with their hats coats dressed very nicely and you can see the very large bulge on the side of Tom clearly he's all carrying a very large pistol and so George and Tom go back a long time together as does George with other people who were in the Spring Creek raid who were not there at the time of this tragedy so I've discounted them as being possible people it's a very curious thing what has happened I can't say who actually did it. I know E.T. didn't do it. I do not believe when the circumstances are examined that they shot each other. I do not believe Otto or the um, Otto Gleesman and uh, the other name slips in my mind again right now. Fullerton. Yeah, Fullerton. I do not believe they did. One of them was found snooping around the cabins, collecting uh, various other cabins. It was kind of, a, as they called him, pack rat. And... Uh, he was accused for a short time, but apparently he had an alibi. Otto Gleesman was there for some time afterwards and never was really, didn't have any need to go. What is curious, and I failed to mention, of course, this all occurred September 24th is when they thought the murder happened. By October or November, early November, Tom O'Day all of a sudden says, my mother has died, which she did, and he leaves the state never to come back again. 
which is a curious thing. All of a sudden, where he has been for years, since 1890-something, now he leaves the state of Wyoming never to return. There are other various little things that go through that come about from this, from my research. The coroner's or Judy, the coroner's uh, statement comes out and it says simply that the two of them shot themselves and commit a suicide. But Governor Richards does not believe this, comes back, does his own research, studies and studies, sifts through the sand at the rock. He says if she's died here, there's got to be a bullet here. Searches around, can't find can't find blood at the rock, does finally eventually find a bullet. There was also a bullet for Tom Jenkins in the mattress that was located. I haven't been able to locate those, but very curious circumstances that point to uh, that they did not commit suicide. After the meeting in Moneta with that Governor Richards had, there's a couple of things that go on. The coroner's jury, of course, made the initial statement that they believe the suicide happened, being carefully led by several people there to come to that verdict. In an October 6, 1911, Carbon County Journal article, they say to Governor Richards, a mistake has been made in returning a verdict of suicide. And that's a direct quote. There were circumstances that pointed to murder, murder by a third party. And that original article was printed in the Cheyenne Tribune. This is a significant little bit of a statement. Here, three people who have been called to stand on a jury have now, two days later, raced to get the governor to tell the governor a mistake has been made in returning a verdict of suicide. Very curious that all of a sudden they are reversing what they, what, what they said. As Governor Richards travels to Cheyenne, of course, wherever the train stops, people are coming to the depot to meet him, to interview him, to find out what they can find to add to this story, which is a really big story. And in October 3rd, 1911, Tribune Stockman Farmer, Governor Richards says, I have carefully read the verdict of the coroner's jury in the case of my daughter and her husband and have considered all the circumstances as they have been presented to me by those who were upon the scene immediately after the discovery of the bodies. And I cannot accept the view as set forth in said verdict. Now, that's a curious statement, too. Theories one, two, and three had references to saying they came about the murder-suicide idea because they, they thought that that would lessen the impact on Governor Richards of thinking it was a suicide. To me, that doesn't fit. To me, that says that's completely opposite of how I would feel. I would be more troubled if my children had committed suicide rather than being shot by someone. Troubled both ways, yes, but I would rather the murder. So, so this stirs Governor Richards. He has to come back. He has to make his investigation. And he does, and, I, and I'm kind of getting a little out of order here, but by December 1, the Wyoming Tribune, 1911, posts the revised verdict. Governor Richards, when this hits the papers, is already on his way never to return to the ranch again. He has lost his interest in the ranch. He doesn't care about the ranch. It's now a sad place for him, and he leaves. Who ends up with the ranch? The two partners remain, Bear George McClellan and the doctor from Chicago for a while. Bear George McClellan eventually makes a deal with the doctor and ends up owning the whole ranch. Curious, curious thing. I'm not sure what else I can 
I mean, I've covered those theories very, very briefly. Well, Terrell, I think I think you did shed a lot of new, in interesting facts on this uh, case. Uh, we have already read through the story that was published on WyomingHistory.org by Rebecca Hine, and so we're getting just a little bit of a different angle from the story. And I think that you've just uh, filled in a lot of the gaps. And in my mind, it, it seems to me that it, it would be some type of a jealous lover. I, I, that's my theory because of the way the bodies were left and just some of the oddities of the murder scene kind of looked like that somebody that knew the area was there, knew maybe they had some time and came in and, and did the dirty deed. Yes, good points. Those, I've studied those articles. It's very curious. The dishes are on the table. Fish has been caught and is breaded, left on the table, ready to be cooked the next morning. The water bucket is on the table, and things are curious. The scene with Tom Jenkins laying on the bed, which was on the floor, by the way, they were concerned. Why is it not up on the bed frame? And instead, it's down on the floor. They were concerned that someone was looking in the window, spying on them, so to speak. And so they did not feel comfortable being up high on the bed. They, they were down on the floor. Could be a young married couple being a little apprehensive, being intimate together in those situations, but something had them bothered. Tom had a bullet hole from his left side coming through his heart, coming out the right side. Now, even if he was to have shot himself, that would have been somewhat difficult to do, but possible. What is curious, and this is the way I say the story, he shot Edna for whatever reason. They've decided this is what they have to do. He shot Edna through the lungs, top of the lungs, but it doesn't kill her. She goes down, but revives and comes back up and says, oh, you didn't do it very good, Tom. Please shoot me again. I have never heard of a victim shot wanting to be shot another time, but this is the only way I can explain is that she asks to be shot again, and he does. She goes down again. Tom says, oh, I've done it this time. He then shoots himself through the heart. She comes to a second time, and she notices, oh, the bed is on fire. Now, how does the bed come on fire? I have two theories. One is it could have been the gun. Two, I have three pictures of Tom with a cigar in his hand. He is a smoker. And every time I've seen him, he has that cigar. So it's not out of this theory that there's also a cigar that he had then dropped into the bedding. And that cigar could have been the reason the, mat, the bed was on fire. So Edna comes to, she sees the fire, she panics with two bullet holes through her lungs, gets up, goes to the other end of the cabin, gets the water bucket. There's two of them sitting there full of water. She brings one in, douses out the fire, puts the bucket back, and she comes back in and says, well, Tom, you still didn't kill me. She goes and rummages and gets the other pistol, goes in out, 30 feet out from the cabin. I've measured the spot and lays down at this rock with a bullet hole through her left temple, with the gun through with her thumb, through the, I can't even imagine how she could hold it and do that. You couldn't, but it was in her left hand. And she is clearly right-handed from all the evidence and everything that is said. And she's sitting there slumped over, has a blanket over her. She has scrapes on her legs, but then stockings have been pulled over her legs. The ball of her foot has been bloodied and broken open but the stockings are also over that with no tears in the stockings. Also adding to evidence that somebody actually dressed her and put her there 
after chasing her and finishing finishing shooting her, murdering her, I'll say. They, uh, some jewelry was found missing and they couldn't locate it, but mysteriously somehow that jewelry is then found again as being in there and is found among the cabin belongings. A curious thing where it's not there and then it is there. Their time was very well documented. They had been somewhere Friday, had eaten and had returned home, picking up the cookbook and going home. And so, so it's all various, very curious things. And I say the way I, I say it in the way the theory says they conducted things. So it's a curious story. I don't know how to resolve it. I can't resolve it. I don't find any evidence that resolves it. So it is still in my mind an unsolved mystery. Terrell, again, hey, you know, we really thank you for coming on. Outstanding information. I did like your information about Manita. That was one bit of information I never heard. You've added a little bit more to the story, and I guess we'll all sit around and wonder what actually happened on that uh, night at Big Trails, Wyoming. So, again, Terrell, thanks for coming on. We appreciate uh, the information, and we appreciate your interest and the amount of information you're willing to share with people on the history of Wyoming. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed our show. As per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming here at Let's Talk Wyoming, your everything Wyoming podcast. 